Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Stay tuned for Off the Hook. And this is WBAI New York, 99.5 FM and WBAI.org online. It is now 7 p.m. Stay tuned. Your call cannot be completed as dialed. Please check the number and dial again. 012T. If you'd like to make a call, please hang up and try again. If you need help, stay on the line and a hacker will assist you shortly. And a very good evening to everybody. The program is Off the Hook. Emmanuel Goldstein here with you, joined tonight by Kyle. Yes, hey, I'm here. How you doing? Uh, and um, over in Skype land, I believe we have Rob T. Firefly. He's on the laptop, but he's not on the board, Kyle. Why is that? It's like the laptop isn't plugged in or something. Is, is, is that possible? Okay. Now, now I'm not plugged in. Okay. Uh, try that again, Rob. Now you're still over on the laptop. <laughs> okay. Uh, growing pains here as technology adjusts to our, to our needs. Um, <clears throat> well, um, fortunately, I'm prepared for such an emergency because I have a stack full of, um, of papers here. Unfortunately, our toner is running low, so it's going to be difficult for me to, uh, to read from this, but, uh, I'm going to do the best I can. Um, we, we talked about the FTX story quite a bit last week. Um, I believe we talked about it on the air. We might have talked about it on Overtime, Overtime being the show that follows this on YouTube. Uh, Kyle, do you have an update on our technical issues? Yes. What's the update? <laughs> you can't just walk away and say there's no update. Okay. Um, 
so basically, uh, FTX um, was uh, uh, basically, um, um, I don't know how else to say it, um, kind of uh, destroyed. Are, are we are we on or not? Um, yes, I'd like to introduce uh, a couple of our Please. Uh, guests. I think uh, over there is Rob. Good evening. Wait, so it only works if you introduce him? That's how it is? Okay, okay wait. Fine. I'll you know give what? you the power. You, no, you do the introductions. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the part of the show I dread the most. It was okay. my mistake. It was a, a, fla- uh, a USB connection that was loose. But uh, Isn't that always the way? The side uh, uh, over there also is uh, Gila. Hello! Joining us. Yeah, way to blast out my eardrums, Gila. Thank you for that. Yeah, look, looking good on the levels. Um, I was going through trying to, to make some adjustments. And uh, also with us this evening is none other than... Um, Alex. His name is Alex. Alex. <laughs> yeah. You forgot his name? Yeah. Well, you know, hello, hello, everybody. All right. Well, you know what? Um, if, if, if we can get started any time this hour, that'd be great uh, because we only are on for an hour. Uh, we do have another hour uh, or so afterwards that follows 8 o'clock on, on YouTube, on channel 2600 there. Um, and you can follow the link that um, is um, on our main 2600.com webpage. Or just go to channel 2600 and figure it out at 8 o'clock. Uh, so I was um, trying to uh, talk about this story about FTX. Somebody want to just explain quickly what FTX is. Uh, it's cryptocurrency. It's a, How do you describe it? It's, a, it's an exchange. Exchange. Yeah, okay. Exchange is where people go to to turn fiat money, cash, into cryptocurrency and trade cryptocurrency with others, and uh, you know generally gamble with uh, with cryptocurrency. But also do the opposite, right? That's true. Yeah, that's right. Also to cash out. Yeah. Well, as you may have heard, FTX uh, uh, collapsed, um, was basically destroyed. Um, but this is an interesting story. Um, FTX's new boss has accused the disgraced CEO, Sam Bankman-Fried, of uh, hacking into his own company while in custody of the, um, I've never said this word before, Bahamian? Is that how you say it? Bahamian. Bahamian. See, I knew I'd get it wrong. The government of the Bahamas, but the Bahamian government, okay. Um, While in their custody, they insisted that he hack, uh, this is alleged, uh, insisted that he hack into his company to obtain digital assets uh, that belonged to FTX after they filed for bankruptcy. That's according to a bombshell lawsuit filed on Thursday. Uh, John J. Ray is an insolvency expert. That must be fun. Uh, who uh, steered energy uh, firm Enron through its infamous $23 billion bankruptcy following a massive accounting scandal. Um, he alleged the unauthorized access transferred FTX assets into accounts outside the control of management. According to the Wall Street Journal, the Bahamian, Bahamian government is responsible for directing unauthorized access to the debtors' systems for the purpose of obtaining digital assets of the debtors. The filing also alleged that Mr. Bankman-Fried and FTX co-founder Gary Wang stated in recorded and verified text that Baham- uh, Bahamas regulators instructed that certain post-petition transfers of debtor assets be made by Mr. Wang and Mr. Bankman-Fried uh, who the debtors understand were both effectively in the custody of Bahamas authorities, and that such assets were custodied, yes, that's a verb, on fire blocks under control of uh, Bahamian government. Not quite sure what a fire block is, but it's capitalized, so it must be important. Um, yeah, so uh, basically what this means is that um, uh, the um, uh, the people 
who lost money, the actual individual people like like you and me, are doubly screwed now because the money was taken and, 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 and put someplace where they can not get access to it at all, where nobody can get access to it at all. And um, we don't really know who it is that did this, although the, the lawsuit alleges uh, that it was uh, Sam Bankman-Fried himself. I mean, the story just gets more and more bizarre as every day goes by. Alex, any any thoughts on on this? Is this uh, is this making new ground in in, in legal uh, shenanigans? Yeah, I I heard all about this uh, over the last couple of days, and it's been the most interesting aspect of the FTX story by far, to my mind, because you know here you have a a very very unusual situation of a founder of a company being directed by a, a governmental regulator, in essence, to acquire unauthorized access to his own systems, which in and of itself doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense because if they were his systems, then he wouldn't have had to exceed any kind of authorization, but yet the assets didn't belong to him. So I would, I would argue that, you know, there is some form of access uh, authorization that's been exceeded because he's taken into a, a bunch of these digital assets into custody and put them into the possession of a third party. So how all of this is going to shake out is going to be extraordinarily weird. Then you also have competing bankruptcy proceedings between the United States. Whoa, sorry about that. Really, Alex? You let the dog in the room that you're broadcasting from? That's the, uh, yeah, that's my beagle. And, and, and then you get him angry somehow? A firm position on any trust. I'm sorry for all the listeners who are just jolted out of their skin by this. Maybe there's another room the dog can go into. <laughs> okay. uh, and now I also have a sick four-year-old coming over here that's, to say That's preferable. Call. That's preferable. As long so, as he doesn't uh, cuss. Hopefully he doesn't know yeah. those words yet. Yeah. Um, well, you, you never know. He doesn't but, look uh, so bad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, know, you want to say hi? No? Okay. All right. Anyhow, um, while, uh, while, while my son is on my lap here, I think the, um, uh, the other interesting aspect of this is that, that the, comp- the competing uh, bankruptcy proceedings between the United States and the Bahamas and where these assets that were placed into the custody of the Bahamian authorities are, end- are on a, going to end up going. I mean, are they going to have some kind of priority return to uh, persons that were affected by this in, in the Bahamas or maybe those who have some kind of closer connection, let's say, to to the Bahamas? Is there going to be some kind of priority given to them? All of this is really unclear at the moment, but this is very much uh, unchartered territory and very strange for uh, all of these facts and circumstances to come into play all around the, the bankruptcy filing, the hacking, the missing assets, uh, the fact that there was, you know, you know no controls uh, around you know, the, the acquisition of these particular assets, their use, the governance principles. I mean, everything that's shaking out of the FTX story is, is just making this look worse and worse and worse, um, and especially because this was one of the largest cryptocurrency exchanges in the world. Um, it's, been, um, it's been a real eye-opener. To, to see all these details shake out in the bankruptcy proceeding. I mean, things like private keys being stored in unsecured Gmail accounts. I mean, all kinds of just absolutely terrible things from a security practitioner's perspective. But then from the a legal perspective of, of corporate governance, 
all of this was just completely foul and wrong, too. So, and can I just uh, add something here? Uh, the, the guy I mentioned before, John J. Ray, uh, remember, this is the guy uh, who, um, who who oversaw what was going on with Enron, Enron. Uh, through that uh, billion dollar, $23 billion bankruptcy. What he had to say about this, about FTX, never in my career have I seen such a complete failure of corporate controls and such a complete absence of trustworthy financial information as occurred here. Again, this is the guy that oversaw the Enron debacle. So, wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it just shows that there really weren't any adults in the room, despite all of this massive amount of capital coming from very sophisticated investors. You would think that some of these investors might have had some oversight into the company or would have taken board seats. But I think all of them were gun shy in the sense that if they did have a board seat, there would be some kind of liability for uh, a board member in the event that the the platform collapsed like it did. And you know, I don't think there's an insurer out there who would give you a, uh, a sufficient amount of uh, of coverage in an errors and omission policy to uh, to to take care of all of that liability that would attach to being a director of this particular company. I've been impressed with the uh, the rapid uh, uh, changing dynamic. I mean, it was a bit very very fast the way a lot of this has uh, transpired. Yeah, it's. Um it's pretty speedy, and uh, you know, it gets weirder and weirder by the day, as I said, but um, in, in, in different ways. Uh, here's um, uh, a bit of a piece from VulcanPost.com, as if the billions lost by millions of people, the billions lost by millions of people in the collapse of the second largest crypto exchange wasn't enough. Turns out the hacker, quote-unquote, uh, who got away with uh, close to $300 million worth of cryptocurrencies out of an estimated $477 million um, stolen uh, during the turmoil from the failed company. Um, that person, whoever they are, has now begun manipulating prices of Ether, <laughs> dumping Ethereum, that is, uh, dumping it by as much as 7% within hours. And, and as of um, uh, when this started happening, that person was the 35th largest holder of Ether in the world. Um, yeah, and just just to sum this up in in a rather uh, eloquent way, uh, ultimately we now have a single anonymous crook slash madman making waves in the market, able to influence prices of even the largest cryptocurrencies by using stolen funds. Someone who has become a centimillionaire. Cent? What's a centimillionaire? C e n t i millionaire. Hundred million. That's what that means. I've never heard that word used before. So if you have $100 million, you're a centimillionaire. Hundred or hundreds of millions. Something to aspire to. Okay. Uh, someone who has become a centimillionaire without putting a gun to anybody's head or, in fact, without even setting a foot outside their door. Well, you assume that. But, um, yeah, it just, it's it's nuts. It's, um, where does it end? Do you think this is the end of crypto, folks? No, I, I don't. I, I, I don't think it's the end of crypto at all. In fact, I think it's a... A new beginning of crypto. I know there's some static between the hacker community and the cryptocurrency community, and I and I wish that we could bridge that divide in some respects. And and I think it's it, it's our job in a lot of respects to bridge that divide because there's so many aspects of cybersecurity that are so important to cryptocurrency. And I think that uh, cryptocurrency is going to become more important to cybersecurity over the the next coming months and years that we see this. But I. As we talked about a bit on overtime last week, I think that this is just going to be 
par for the course for a little while. As part of this cryptocurrency winter, we've seen Celsius declare bankruptcy. We've seen FTX declare bankruptcy. It seems like both of those places didn't have great corporate governance, leadership, security controls, et cetera, in place. And I think we're going to see a lot of these places that that were shambolic on the inside but maybe looked okay on the outside going to continue to fall. You know, everything that was a house of cards is going to begin to tumble. And I think we're going to be left with maybe, maybe it'll be a bit of a wasteland for a while, but I think it will be time to rebuild. And I think we're going to rebuild on the basis of cryptocurrencies that have a better foundation and a better basis and more utility and more functionality than the existing crop of nonsense that's been out there for a while. And in particular, I'm, I'm talking about uh, Ethereum itself, even though it's subject to some market manipulation because of this bad actor. I think uh, Ethereum is going to be the one that's uh, that stands the true test of time and and is at the top of the heap. Yeah, I think uh, inherent inherent to any of these sort of value exchange systems, monetary, there's a, a level of trust at some point part of it that that needs to be uh there for people to for there to be uptake of it whether whatever currency it is and there are many there are many and they're all uh feeling the pinch at this point uh looks like but uh we'll we'll, we'll stay on top of this as it gets weirder and weirder are you listening to off the hook here on wbai please support wbai by going to the website give to wbai.org pledging whatever you can to help keep this radio station going, because um, like like many others, uh, we're in dire times and uh, we need to uh, to get through them. Because voices are important, voices of uh, of opposition, alternative viewpoints, and just uh, investigative reporting, as well as uh, alternative cultures and all sorts of other fun things um, that appear on our airwaves in a typical week. It's it's crucial. It's vital. It's unlike anything else heard, even in New York City. So the website, give to WBAI.org, the phone number, 212-209-2950. And again, uh, we accept any amount. We take credit cards, and every bit counts. It's extremely important uh, that we um, uh, we stay on the air, right? Yeah, everyone, please uh, think of us as you're uh, putting together gifts at the end of the year. Um we need you. This is a community radio. It doesn't happen without the community. So exactly. please uh, f- find one of the methods that we've mentioned and uh, contribute what you can uh, and consider become uh, becoming a, a recurring uh, donor and uh, perhaps even uh, a member of the station. It's I a good it's slogan a- in there somewhere. Community radio. We're providing the radio. Now we need the community. You know, <laughs> so let's put the two together. So we have community radio. I, I'm sure someone thought of that. Go ahead, Gila. So just wanted to put in a quick plug. Um, as I'm pretty sure most of our listeners know, tomorrow is Thanksgiving in the great old United States. Wait, that's this week? And, Wait a minute. I thought it was next week. I heard it was coming you around. The- Damn it. be defrosting your turkey if right you're not back. already I'll here. I'll be right back. In trouble. Um, <laughs> and... You know, there's kind of an unofficial calendar for the week after Thanksgiving and, you know, everybody goes shopping on Black Friday and now there's Small Business Saturday and uh, Cyber Monday was a thing. And now some places are talking about Stock Monday. And next week, a week from yesterday, is Giving Tuesday. And if you haven't thought about donating to WBAI and you want to wait till the official Giving Day that comes after the fiesta of 
purchasing that is the few days after Thanksgiving, please consider giving to WBAI on Giving Tuesday. I'm sure you've heard from a lot of nonprofits in your world and in your sphere, but BAI should definitely rate a spot on your list this year. So, you know, send money to BAI, get the tax write-off for the end of the year. It's a win-win. Um, do what you can and help us stay on the air. Yeah, this is uh, this is community radio, as you said, and without the community, there is no radio. And this, right now, is how the community keeps us on the radio. This is the only thing that's been keeping us on the air for, uh, what is it, 62 years now. And... Uh, yeah, you know, we we don't we don't sell ads. We don't sell your ears to anybody who wants them. Uh, we don't sell your interest. We don't sell your data. All we can sell is ourselves and what we're doing and what we're producing, and uh, what we're putting out on the airwaves. And that's there because you want it there. That's there because you, right now, who are listening, um, can uh, you know call two one two two zero nine two nine five zero or go to give to wbai dot org. That's give the numeral to WBAI.org and uh, contribute what you can to keep us doing what we're doing here at WBAI. And thank you to all those people who we know are calling because we asked you to and because, you know, it's the right thing to do and because you value community radio and want to keep hearing off the hook on as many Wednesday nights as possible. So thank you. Give to WBAI.org, 212-209-2950. Uh, Rob, uh, you've been spoken to about uh, posting um, uh, killer robot stories to the list. <laughs> and um, I'm told that you did it again today uh, with a story from a, um, a place called missionlocal.org. And the title uh, simply reads, Robots Authorized to Kill in San Francisco Police Department Draft Policy. Um, you want to explain this? Uh, so, so there's there's killer robots now that San Francisco is going to unleash on the public. Um, that appears to be the plan, according to a uh, policy proposal that's uh, headed for San Francisco's Board of Supervisors approval. Um, this pop this proposal would explicitly authorize San Francisco police to program their robots to autonomously kill people. Um, police departments all over the world have been using robots for all sorts of things. Um, the sorts of dangerous situations you don't want to send a, a human police uh, officer into or uh, just to get the coffee or whatever. But the robots themselves, um, according to this proposal, will have the option to end your life. Um, okay, so, so Black Mirror <laughs> has arrived. We are, we are mm -hmm. here. <laughs> and uh, I'm, just, I'm just looking at this, um, this story, pieces of it. The draft policy has faced criticism uh, from advocates for its language on robot force as well as that's force used by robots, not, not like the Air Force. It's actually the force that the robot will use, as well as for excluding hundreds of assault rifles from its inventory of military-style weapons and for not including personnel costs in the price of its weapons. I'm not sure if that's related. Are they giving the assault-style weapons to the robots? I can't believe I'm saying this, but uh, I'm in the United States, so I, 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 I should uh, probably believe it. Um, yeah, so... Here, um, here's a quote. Robots will only be used as a deadly force option when risk of loss of life to members of the public or officers are imminent and outweigh any other force option available to the police department. Now, I've heard that said by humans many times when killing unarmed people. Are the robots going to have the same, uh, same level of judgment where they view, um, certain people as a threat by default? 
This is a very interesting question. I mean, robots are like any other computer. They're very sophisticated idiots. Um, they're very good at telling them exactly what's uh, – they're very good at accomplishing exactly what's programmed into them. But uh, they're not so good at um, making, the, making the sort of fuzzy decisions, the day-to-day -day decisions. Um, how many times do you ask uh, Alexa or Siri or whoever to, like, play one song and instead it uh, does something completely different? Um, computers are not very good right now at uh, at – at uh, you know distinguishing whether you want to hear the weather girls or hear the weather, and uh, it's it's that sort of it's that sort of technology that's going to decide whether it needs to shoot you with a gun or or not, and that terrifies me, and not just because I was raised on RoboCop movies. Okay, yeah. Well, Alex, tell me, should we be really scared by what we're we're seeing here? I mean, it it sounds like. You know, San Francisco should frankly know better. I mean, this is a city that, in so far as I recall, had banned facial recognition earlier than most other cities in the country, is heavily involved, but technology should understand the perils of technology. And, and I feel like technologists understand the limits of technology better than anybody else. I mean, this is the reason why most of us that work in cybersecurity don't have electronic locks on our doors and yeah, Alexa's in every single room of our house, you know, all these things are because we're distrustful of, of technology. And, and, um, and I think, you know, my little Edo here is, is also uh, somewhat. Edo, do you like robots? But you have to say it out loud. No. Okay. He doesn't like robots either. Smart kid. I mean, um, I, and the other thing is, I mean, think about robots and where they are. For God's sakes, I mean, my Roomba continually gets stuck on the edge of my stairs. I mean, we're going to be trusting robots to have some kind of judgment about lethal force and i mean it really sounds like some kind of uh new black mirror episode in the making where the the notion or the idea of self-preservation of a robot can override a human life i mean this is just you know r ridiculous science fiction like stuff from the 50s and 60s that we're seeing play out now in so 2022 yep okay not 60 65 Oh, okay. All right. Very good. Good point. All right. Uh, Kyle, yep. go ahead. Oh, I just uh, was imagining the logical extent of a lot of this, which is um, a, a sort of blameless environment where uh, humans controlling them and this aren't necessarily at fault. It's it's uh, a situation where the robot becomes uh, the um, excuse or the, the reason, and it, it is – that it went haywire or there was some uh, error or malfunction or um, uh, the person didn't didn't treat the robot the way the robot needed to be treated, that they that it is, you know, some some thing that humans should inherently understand now and, and all of that, those sort of um, etiquettes. It, it is um, it's, it's a whole different landscape of of uh, of thinking about uh, an authority that can. Uh, be wielded against citizenry. Go ahead, Rob. I, yeah, and talking of uh, technologists who uh, have uh, various feelings on this, uh, I got into the story through um, a person called Cat Scott, who uh, works with OpenRobotics.org uh, and, and uh, other such things, and knows this stuff and has uh, has expressed the interest in anyone who wants to help put together a letter to uh, the San Francisco. Um, board of Supervisors. So you can find Cat Scott if you're interested in that at uh, K Scott Z on Twitter. That's K S C O T T Z on Twitter or on Mastodon at uh, 
K-S-C-O-T-T-Z at S-F-B-A dot social. You know, I'm wondering um, if cops are going to be uh, moving into using robots uh, aggressively. I wonder if criminals will do the same, you know, have a robot rob a bank or <laughs> or steal things from a house or do God knows what else. It's, uh, I mean, it's funny, but it's also really scary because there are people who are being paid to figure these things out right now. Gil, it looks like you have something. Well, no, I was thinking about robots, drones, where the where where the line is, and yeah, will there be some time where a robot is robbing a bank and another robot comes in to stop it, and then the whole bank blows up because the robot? Like this does not lead anywhere good. I can't. Is there ever a good sentence that starts with robots? Um. Rob- there's some good songs that start with robots, but uh, I don't know if there's any good scenarios that, that start with robots. Um, but here's something interesting. This might make people feel better. Uh, if you're dealing with any kind of financial issues this holiday season, if you're worried about where you, you know, your next check is going to come from, et cetera, et cetera, or how you've you know, managed yourself over the past year or, or bunch of years or lifetime, the Alexa... Amazon Alexa, what we all consider it to be, we just talked about it now, we all consider it to be this incredible thing, big uh, big success. No, <laughs> the headline reads, Amazon Alexa deemed colossal failure following $10 billion loss. $10 billion loss. <laughs> they say um, in the first quarter of, of, of this year alone, uh, Alexa lost $3 billion. I don't know how that's even possible. What is Alexa doing that's losing $3 billion in a single quarter? Apparently, they wanted Alexa to be used. I'm sorry for everyone who's Alexa. I'm I'm triggering by saying this so many times. But but what they wanted Alexa to be able to do was get people to buy more things. And apparently, it's not doing that so much, but it's doing something else. It's helping people in various ways. Yes, it's spying on you, too. I know that. It's bad. It's evil. Yeah, I'm, I'm... we're going to put that aside for the moment. But what people are, are, are using it for, they find to be rather convenient, you know, playing radio stations or uh, telling you the temperature or God knows what else they're, they're getting these things to do, tying it into your house and turning on the lights. Um, but somehow it's a colossal failure. Something we just assumed was working isn't. I don't know what they're going to do with it. If they just make it suddenly start stop working and everybody has uh, uh, paid for these things and, and, and they'll be upset. And plus, they're not the only one out there. You know, there's all kinds of other uh, personal assistant devices. Uh, you guys have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, big, uh, the big thing for them is that from the beginning, they wanted this to be a tool that would bring in money. People would shop with the Alexa device. But uh, as we reported early on in Alexa's life, we uh, reported on this program about uh, stories like when a kid, uh, you know, ordered an expensive dollhouse, uh, unbeknownst to their parents, and uh, other, other mishaps were happening where Alexa was buying things that the owners didn't necessarily want. So they had to dial all that stuff back. But in the meantime, yeah, it is a convenient thing for like switching the lights on and off, listening to music, podcasts, whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they, they basically put their eggs in a basket that uh, no longer really exists. And that uh, there, it also connects to other issues with the quality of shopping on the Amazon site, which is not what it was uh, five, six years ago when, when these things were new. So it's, uh, it's very interesting because... I think the $10 billion loss is basically them calculating like what they're paying people on the Alexa side of their operation. Um, it's not like, uh, it's not like they, you know, 
poured money down something that didn't happen. It, it's just, um, you know, what it cost on their end to keep this thing running. And it is an interesting question whether they will continue to do so. Now, Alex, you, you now have two kids with you. I'm just wondering what the most uh, expensive thing either one of them has ordered without your knowledge from Alexa <laughs> or any other kind of device. Or do they even speak you know, to these? Do they speak to these devices? No, they don't because we don't have them. We don't have an Alexa device, do we, Sasha? We don't trust them. That's right. We wow, don't. Wow. Okay. Good for you. That's right. Why don't we trust them? Because they scan your whole house. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's something that they're always recording the ambient noise, right? Yeah. Yeah, we don't want to. We don't want that. Um, but these kids have ordered things, um, mostly video games on the PS4 that I've had to unwind with Sony and that. Well, Call of Duty World, um, Modern Warfare Two was seventy-six dollars, so it probably was the most expensive game. Yeah, well, but we we decided to buy that one. You know, that wasn't one that was an unauthorized transaction, like your little brother has. Uh, has engaged in recently. So, but yeah, most of these kids have been just buying video games. And, um, but, you know, to go back to this whole issue of Alexa being a failure when it comes to purchasing things, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it just seems like it's really badly designed to purchase things. I mean, it's a, it's a sound based device. There's nothing visual about it. You want to see the thing that you're buying before you say buy it. I mean, I understand wanting to, re-up your toilet paper or your paper towels, but, you know, that's something that you can just do automatically on Amazon. Uh, it just seems like it was perhaps a poorly thought-out business plan uh, to well, to capitalize on that. I, I intentionally make sure that uh, any kind of account is not linked to it because, you know, if you just happen to say that you want to buy something, it might buy it for you. I don't want that. You know, if I want to buy something, yeah, you know, I know how to do it online. I can ask Alexa for advice or, or details or, or things like that, but I would not want to have Alexa just go out and make a purchase. That just seems unwise. Yes, Gila. I think there's also an interesting question about what the point of Alexa devices is and why it's managed to lose $10 billion, which is just a staggering sum of money. And it's not like Alexa went and invested with FTX and lost $10 billion. See, callback. It's good. Yeah. But... Yeah, thank you. If you have an Alexa pillar, if you have an Alexa ball, if you have an Alexa dot, great. Um, and I think the question is, do they want you to be buying things or do they want to be inextricably linked into the daily lives of so many of their customers? Because I think on that particular metric, it's been a massive success to the point where if we are on vacation and I want to know what it's like outside. And I will say, Echo, what's the weather? And stop, Echo, stop. What? Wait, what just happened? I accidentally asked it what the weather was, and it was about to start talking. And um, But the thing is, I'm so used to asking this device in my home what the weather is. I am now incapable of finding it out from any other place. And we have been in hotel rooms in other cities, and I'm like, I don't know what's happening outside, and I can't ask the device in my room. Can't you look out and, the window? Yeah, I can look out the window. I can <laughs> see it's sunny. Do I know what the temperature is? No. Um, and That's why you open the window, and then you find out. In a hotel where the where the windows don't open. Okay, then you call downstairs to the concierge and ask them what the weather is, and they'll they'll be annoyed that you're asking, <laughs> you're wasting their time, but at least you'll get an answer. But I think that's the thing. I think that the sense of how intrinsically linked so many of us are to these devices now for better or for worse 
but do I want to get a pair of Echo glasses? I just no. came up with an idea for, based on what you're saying. Hotel Alexas. Every room has one built in, and you can just have a dialogue. You know, maybe maybe you're in a hotel room, you have nothing to do. You have a nice friend to talk to while you're there. You can I know play it's Jeopardy. Not, it's not as pathetic as it sounds, uh, if, and you don't actually have the device. It's like in the walls or something, watching your every move. Huh? That's that. That could that could sell. They're in vehicles, I think, as well now. Yeah, they are. They are in vehicles as well. Oops. Alex, are you okay? Your younger kid is is smacking you in the face, full force. Is there something going on we should know about? Uh, I deserved it. That's it. That's all I can say all about right. that situation. Right. I deserved it. Now he has a fist clenched. Boy, what what what's going on over there? <laughs> There's some animosity that I'm seeing uh, brewing in your household. Um, okay, well, uh, here's another story that uh, is is kind of of interest from uh, the Daily Dot. Um, yeah, uh, it seems um, uh, WikiLeaks website is coming apart at the seams with more and more of the organization's content unavailable without explanation. I just tried going there myself, and I got a 502 bad gateway. Uh, WikiLeaks technical issues, they've been ongoing for months. They've gotten worse in recent weeks as increasingly larger portions of its website no longer function. Even attempting to visit WikiLeaks.org is a gamble in itself, often producing the very 502 message that, that I experienced today, um, which indicates an error was detected on the website's server. Um, when the website does become available, problems still abound. Uh, the main banner on WikiLeaks, which includes the organization's logo, as well as links to subdomains such as the About page, has been entirely missing since earlier this month. A similar banner at the bottom of the page, which once showed links to uh, to sites for Bitcoin and the Tor project, is now gone as well. A search bar that once included uh, or once scoured the site for information also appears to no longer work and instead redirects users to the home page. But the biggest issue relates to WikiLeaks' entire purpose: leaks. Many of the group's leaks have either vanished or become inaccessible to the public. Of the uh, seven leaks highlighted on the homepage, three produce no content. Two of those redirect to error pages, while the third merely sends users back to the homepage. Now, um, some of the organization's most prominent leaks have also been affected. A cache of more than one million emails from hacking team released in 2015. Uh, the now defunct Italian surveillance vendor. They're all gone. An archive of tens of thousands of emails from former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's private email. Inaccessible. The uh, Democratic National Committee emails uh, provided to WikiLeaks ahead of the 2016 election by Russian state entities posing as rogue hackers, also missing. Uh, although WikiLeaks long boasted that it released more than 10 million documents in 10 years, at current, less than 3,000 documents remain accessible, according to an analysis by the Daily Dot of the website's leaks archive. Uh, the issues have become so apparent that supporters of the group are now voicing concerns across social media. It's even being read over a New York City radio station, according to this article. In a post, <laughs> a post on the WikiLeaks subreddit over the weekend, uh, one user complained that every search request made on the website produced an error message. The site is completely down for me. Another responded, all I get is a 502 bad gateway error. And despite similar complaints on Twitter, many of which tag WikiLeaks' account, the organization has failed to publicly address any of the issues. WikiLeaks did not respond to a request for comment from the Daily Dot over Twitter direct message. Uh, and even organizations tied to WikiLeaks appear to be struggling. The website for Defend WikiLeaks, a group that raised funds for the legal defense of WikiLeaks in prison founder Julian Assange, has now been taken over by a Vietnamese sports blog. No kidding. 
the website for the Courage Foundation, which similarly raised funds for whistleblowers and journalists, including Assange, Chelsea Manning, and Edward Snowden, uh, was also taken over in the past week and transformed into a Japanese blog selling knockoff designer merchandise. Uh, the domain now shows nothing more than a blank page. So, uh, yeah, uh, rather, rather sad. Um, and um, according to um, an update to this story, um, after this story was was, um, was published, the websites for both the Courage Foundation and Defend WikiLeaks were taken offline. The Twitter account for the Courage Foundation also appears to have removed the link to its website from its bio in um, in recent days. So um, rather disturbing, I think, because uh, WikiLeaks was um, uh, you know a major part of the 2010s, and uh, like it or hate it, um, having it disappear. That doesn't sound healthy to me. Rob, do you have something? Yeah, I mean, um, the the uh, WikiLeaks definitely had its important part to play in past history, but um, the writing has been kind of on the wall for this. Um, WikiLeaks has published, uh, for many years, they've published an Onion link where you can uh, contact WikiLeaks via Tor, and that link has been a dead link for many years now, um, with, uh, with no indication that they were looking to uh, put it back up. And WikiLeaks, their purpose used to be leaks. The point of that site used to be leaks. But uh, as anyone who follows WikiLeaks on, uh, on, a, on their official social media, like their Twitter account knows, WikiLeaks nowadays is basically just an organization that posts again and again and again how bad the situation is for Julian Assange. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they haven't done leaking. They've, they've, kind of, they've kind of put that aside and become a full-on uh, Julian Assange, uh, you know, uh, uh, cheering section. And, um, you know, you can feel one way or the other about that. But the, the point is they really kind of abandoned their purpose um, quite a while ago. And I think the uh, the the uh, fact that their old leaks have now fallen off the net um, to a degree that's, uh, you know, I tried bringing up the site just now and got the uh, 502 bad gateway from Nginx. And it, it seems like that that was just uh, the way that was just the thing that was going to happen. It well, seems like uh, they're they're not interested really in in being WikiLeaks anymore. In all fairness, um, there's not much to cheer about. I mean, when, when you're targeted uh, by the U.S. government and by by so many others throughout the the, the, the planet, um, it becomes awfully hard to continue with your original mission. And yeah, it has become a site mostly about what Julian is going through. That's because Julian was pretty much WikiLeaks, and without him, doesn't have the same kind of direction, if any. And attention does need to be drawn to what he's been put through. You know, again, uh, you know, like him or hate him, um, is what he's going through. You know, being being locked away for years and and and, and treated in barbaric conditions and facing God knows what um, for what he actually did. Is that fair? You know, the whole thing. Is, is is lousy. It's lousy what's happened to WikiLeaks, ab- absolutely. But we have to look at why this happened to WikiLeaks. It's not like they, they said, you know what, we're, we're tired of this, we don't care anymore. They've been subjected to to something we cannot even imagine. And, you know, it's it's anyone with any interest in human rights, I think, would be concerned by this. And um, it's just sad to see it falling apart, but I think we know why it's falling apart. You know, it's because of the way it's um, it, it's been targeted, and it's a message to anyone else who who dares to try such a thing. And it's a, a very chilling effect. Now, I know, Alex, you, you don't agree with uh, my perspective on on WikiLeaks, but you know, surely 
you, you see that there's a human rights issue here as well. Yeah, and, and I've I've written uh, quite a bit about uh, WikiLeaks and Julian Assange for CNN as well, and, and specifically on the issue of uh, Julian Assange's extradition to the United States. I I don't think that uh, the extradition proceeding in the United Kingdom was was necessarily fair, uh, and I I think that. The superseding indictment that the DOJ brought, as a, the superseding indictment is the, the second indictment that included a, a mess more uh, charges on, on this. I think it was something like 14 more charges as opposed to the, the first one that just dealt with essentially cracking a, um, a password hash with a rainbow table. But, um, you know, it does seem overtly political in a lot of ways, and it especially did during the Trump administration. But my my thought on this was – during the Trump administration, that superseding indictment, and this is what I wrote for CNN, I thought that the superseding indictment was deliberately designed to prevent the extradition of Julian Assange to the United States because the charges were so overtly political that extradition should not have been uh, something uh, should not have been an option uh, from the UK to the United States. But you know, there you have it. And um, but putting that aside for a moment, I think there's. <laughs> almost a more f- fundamental issue. And this is that, that tried and true lesson that's become uh, a bit of a platitude on our show lately, which is uh, don't expect any platform controlled by a third party to exist forever. Uh, so, you know, let this be a lesson to all of you. You shouldn't rely on a single website to ha- host all of your, uh, your exfiltrated data that you'd like to mine for OSINT purposes. I mean, the only place that you can trust is your local hard drive. And that, too, will well, eventually. Yeah, I'm not sure many people want to trust a local hard drive with everything. Make sure you back that up as well. Um, but the other point, yeah, too, that I, that I want to make, Emmanuel, is that, uh, you know, sure, it might be sad to see WikiLeaks fall apart. I'm not going to shed uh, a tear for them, uh, frankly, frankly. But uh, I think that part of the reason why it's falling apart is that there are other outlets that exist right now that have taken up. The, the helm of this is the place you go to when you want to leak documents, when you want to have them published, when you want to have them curated. And I'm talking particularly about some place like the Distributed Denial of Secrets. You know, and we've had uh, Emma and Zan on the show multiple times. They've spoken at Hope. They're doing a tremendous job, a really risky job of getting this information out to the public. And I think they're filling a, a void that WikiLeaks, uh, WikiLeaks left behind when they became the cheering session for Julian Assange, as as Rob aptly put it. I'd like to comment just uh, in in general, like um, it is unfortunate. I think that um, we need to remember kind of along the lines of that. When this emerged, there was not much else. Um, and it did have um, it did have a bit of a vacuum for a while when um, a lot of the peers and um uh, manpower, so to speak, uh, changed there. And it really ended up being, um, uh, beholden, you know, kind of under the auspices of one person's benevolence. And, and I, I don't think that's very good for a news gathering and a, a journalistic enterprise, but, um, we've learned quite a bit, I think, um, since then, 
And um, there's been a proliferation of the sorts of tools and things that were very necessary uh, in the uh, modern age to to protect sources, so to speak, or um, uh, do various sorts of uh, reporting and investigating uh, that require you to interact with uh, sources that may not want to be identified or could be at risk if they are and or um, uh, if they're, they're whistleblowings, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, that, that proliferation has made the, the, um, the options available for that kind of um, story to see the, the light of day um, are wide. And I think there are a lot of um, different outlets for different types of stories so that people, people have the luxury of maybe choosing one that might handle it or might have... Um, have uh, the the skill with that kind of story that others might not. It didn't exist. Yeah, so. we, and we operate one ourselves. SecureDrop uh, is is a great way to uh, leak documents, information. In fact, if you go to securedrop.org, you'll find us. I think we're first on the list because we begin with the number twenty six hundred. Uh, you can uh, you can leak documents securely. So yeah, there there's options. There's definitely options. And I'm not particularly sad to see a website disappear. Uh, but I am sad and angry at the way a human being has been treated. That's, that's my point. And, you know, if, if, if you hate Julian Assange, understood, uh, that's, that's your right. That's your opinion. But if you want him to suffer, mission accomplished. He suffered. How much more do you want this to go on? How, how much do you want to drive that, uh, that nail in? You know, at some point we have to look at ourselves and say, what are we doing? And I think we're well past that point here. You know, it's, it's just, it's, it's unspeakable the way uh, he's been treated. Okay. So, uh, any other closing thoughts on this? Uh, I would just say, I, I agree with that. I don't, I don't necessarily support Julian Assange or, or what he did or, you know, and frankly, I think that the, the first indictment of him was, you know, for what, what, what appeared to be an actionable crime in the United States. Uh, but I agree with you. I think that the amount of suffering that the process of this extradition and his custodial requirements over in the United Kingdom, especially have been really, really heinous have been. Uh, and, and I think will be looked back on as one of the more notable stains on the human rights tapestry of the United Kingdom and the United States. And, and remember what he was saying when he went into the, uh, the embassy uh, and everyone was saying, Oh, you're paranoid. The United States is not going to charge you with anything. Uh, and he hid in there for years believing that the United States was was going to charge him with something. And guess what? They did. They absolutely did. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, if had had there been like something crazy, like a public facing trial, which would have let it come to light, um, what exactly this person deserved for what he did or didn't do beyond a reasonable doubt, um, then that would be one thing. And you could see somebody being, you know, tried and punished for a crime. Um, and uh, the fact that that hasn't been allowed to happen, it's just, uh, you know, been uh, years off his life without any sort of due process that uh, that we can see or report on. You know, that's a shame. But if any organization like WikiLeaks or any other organization, for that matter, um, wants to be a valid uh, thing into the future, it needs to be bigger than any one person. If WikiLeaks wanted to be WikiLeaks for longer than uh, Julian Assange was hanging around, I think the rest of the people, you know, the people that are pushing the buttons on the social media and things like that, and people have been keeping the site up all this time, they could have continued the work. I think that would have honored what WikiLeaks represented far more than uh, just being just becoming a cheering section for one person. Yeah, um, 
I can't disagree with that. But again, I think we might be overestimating just how big WikiLeaks actually is. And um, um, I, I think a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, enthusiasm has been has been punctured. You know, and it's it's, it's really hard to uh, uh, to keep that um, that rebellious um, um, a face. You know, when, when when things like this have happened. Uh, we can continue this uh, on Off the Hook Overtime, which will be happening over on um, YouTube in just a couple of minutes. I did want to say, though, on the subject of WikiLeaks and Julian Assange, um, I saw Chelsea Manning on Hard Talk, on BBC's Hard Talk. That's a half-hour program without any commercial breaks where you get hammered and grilled uh, by by a journalist. Uh, and um, he was challenging Chelsea, and boy, did she hold her own. It was it was really one of the most impressive interviews I think I've seen. If you have a chance, uh, go to bbc.co.uk. You can track it down there somewhere. Uh, I'm sure this copy is floating around. Of course, if you get BBC World News, it'll be broadcast on there uh, every every few hours, I think. Um, and in closing, uh, our email address is oth at 2600.com. We're off the hook, the show about technology, hacking, privacy, all sorts of things like that. And we broadcast on WBAI, where we really hope that you call in to support the station, 212-209-2950, or go to the website, give2wbai.org. That's give, the number two, wbai.org, and uh, donate whatever you can to keep community radio alive in New York City. Any closing thoughts from people? No? Okay. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We will see you on Overtime in a couple of minutes. Just go to the link on the 2600.com webpage or just join us over on Channel 2600 on YouTube. Good night.
time to watch the frogs eating the flies. Yep, then off to the neighbors to watch the paint dry. Mr. Wilson, Mr. Wilson, the trains are coming, the trains are coming. Land sakes, it's the Arts Express pulling into the station with goodies for all of us. Oh, well, it's about time. Looky, there's presents for everyone. Look, Pa, it's a preview of the latest indie feature. And Ma, it's an interview with a major Broadway theater actor. And I got some shiny new film reviews from film festivals all over the world. And here's cutting-edge poetry from the country's most progressive poet. Oh, sweet lord, it's a miracle. No, it's not. It's Arts Express with host Prairie Miller. That's Arts Express with host Prairie Miller at our new day and time, Wednesdays at 9 p.m. on WBAI-FM. Don't want to use the website or the call center to contribute to WBAI? That's okay. Please feel free to send your check or money order to WBAI, 3rd Floor, 388 Atlantic Avenue, Brooklyn, New York, 11217. Please make a check or money order out to Pacifica-WBAI. We thank you for your donation and hope that you will spread the word and tell your friends. And please keep on listening.